can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 the Sports Blog New York podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Play. You can find it simply by searching Sports Blog New York podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab, and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. Now, today is a very special day for the SBNY podcast, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But of course, we had the NBA Finals game two last night. Warriors go up with a 2 0 lead for the second year in a row. A lot to talk about there. You know, my quick reaction before I get into some other stuff will be, I thought the game was exciting for three quarters. Give and take two and a half, maybe three and a half, depends how you look at it, but we're going to get deep into that. And then also I want to touch on some stuff regarding the Knicks. So there's some talk with them that they may be interested in trading, not their eighth pick, even though it's not off the table, but possibly trading a player or a future pick for another first round pick in this year's draft while also acquiring another player. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the possibilities. And obviously, we're going to get deep into the NBA Finals. But just before we do that, I actually have an announcement for the SBNY podcast, something that I'm very proud to bring to you guys. And it's actually our first ever presenting sponsor. And that sponsor is Wooter Apparel. Let me say that one more time. It's Wooter Apparel. W-O-O-T-E-R apparel.com. Check them out on Instagram, at Wooter Apparel. So what they are, and you can look them up while I tell you what they are. They are a full-service, fully customizable clothing and jersey manufacturer. You go to them and tell them what they're looking for. They make baseball, basketball, football, customized backpacks, everything you could possibly think of in the world of sport, Wooter Apparel makes it. And the best part is they guarantee your order to be filled in two to three weeks. And when I say fully customizable, and I could speak from experience, and I'll put up some pictures on sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab, one of those articles, see those pictures. But again, look at their Instagram, their Twitter, at Wooter Apparel, to see what they're working with. You give them a design, and they will deliver. And the quality is there. I know from experience I've been wearing these jerseys for three years, and that is why I'm so happy to bring them on as a presenting sponsor. So definitely check them out. Give them a follow. See what they're working with. But the best part is, if you make a purchase at Wooter Apparel, go to WooterApparel.com or call them. Mention SBNY, that's discount code SBNY, and you get hooked up with a special discount on any of your fully customized orders. Whether you're on a rec team, in some sort of fraternity or group, if you need customized t-shirts, jerseys, basketball jerseys, football jerseys, the whole nine is available at Wooter Apparel. So check them out. I won't be going that deep in detail about Wooter every single episode, but of course on the first one, I got to give my boys over there some love. So check them out, and don't forget to shout out SBNY when you make your purchase. But okay, so now we have the NBA Finals Game 2 to dissect, to dissect, to discuss. And I think it's pretty interesting because I watched the game the whole time, and I kind of like to stay off my phone while I'm watching games, especially if I'm with people. So I really was just enjoying the game, enjoying the people who I was with, not checking Twitter, not checking text messages. And then after the game, you know, I give a little bit of a look back to see kind of what friends were saying in text messages or what Twitter was saying. And I'm not, dis- I'm not at all shocked with the results and how people feel about the results. Now, what I am shocked about 
is people who say they didn't enjoy the basketball that was played in that game. Whether you're a Cavs fan or a Warriors fan, whether you're a LeBron lover or you're a LeBron hater, whether you think Steph is cool, whether you think Steph is soft, you need to see the Warriors play basketball and see that they are the most efficient, most unselfish basketball team in this league, not even close. Listen, I understand Kevin Durant left the only real contender, or contender adjacent, if you will, to join the true contender. I get it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the man, Kevin Durant, who left a good situation for a great situation. I'm talking about the unselfish basketball play that the Warriors have. Their style is so energetic, the ball doesn't stop, and everybody contributes. I know everybody points at Steph and Clay and Draymond and KD as this massive four. We had big threes, they're a massive four. I understand. But you look at a guy like Ian Clark, who can come in the game and be there for 10 minutes and you see him make an impact, make a shot, take a shot, make the right pass. The same thing goes for Andre Iguodala, who we all know won a finals MVP. He doesn't need to get that much love because he's gotten his fair share. But my one thing that I wish all these haters of the NBA Finals and the NBA playoffs can understand here is that whether or not you think what Kevin Durant did was soft, you should respect the game being played. Because that man came out in game one, firing, run into the hoop like a madman. Came out in game two, well, maybe it wasn't all him tonight or last night, but the guy showed up again, and he showed up again on defense. So say what you want about KD. I get it. Listen, I'm not saying what he did was right, but what he did is done. You can't do nothing about it. What you can appreciate is the culture of that team. Because whether or not they have four stars, they move the ball better than anybody. They get more open shots than anybody. It's unbelievable. And that, to me, is still tied for a first or honestly second but for the most important aspect of their team. I wrote in a little article on sportsblognewyork.com, which you can check out. It was actually the SBNY staff picks for the NBA Finals. And just go on, click the basketball tab, and that article will be right there. I'll also link it in the story to this podcast. But what I wrote for my little blurb, and I picked Warriors in six, in case you did not know. What I wrote in there, which I'll bring up now so I could tell you more specifically, was about the words of the wise man we call Greg Popovich, the wise man who's many considered the best coach in the NBA. After the Western Conference Finals, which may have been competitive before Kawhi went down, after that, the Spurs stood no chance. Yet, they competed. wasn't really close, but they competed. You can't knock what they did in their season, especially once Kawhi went down. But what did Greg Popovich say about that? I mentioned it in my little blurb. So here's my little blurb. Warriors in six. Warriors are better on offense, better on defense. And four great players is more than three. More people than I expected are picking the Cavs. And a part of me understands that. The whole, quote, LeBron will take over and bring his team to victory. Kyrie, K-Love hitting big shots, unquote. But I remember Greg Popovich praising the Golden State Warriors for one specific thing, being the best defensive team in the league. Now, I don't know what you 
take Greg Popovich's word for, but I take his word. They're more than a bunch of shooters. They play the best team basketball in the league. They're so unselfish, and people forget that they're the best defensive team in the NBA. Say what you want about Kevin Durant. Say what you want about all the stars. The way this team plays together is impressive, and there's nothing else to say about it. But flipping over to the Cavs, because you can't cover one side without the other. The Cavs, they play good for stretches. LeBron James, he was amazing in the first half. And let me tell you, he was getting to the lane not wide open like Kevin Durant was in game one. He was making his way into the lane, powering through people. Quick, nifty, hesitation dribbles to make the one opening work for him to get to the hoop. He couldn't be slowed down. He couldn't be stopped. But where was Kyrie? Kevin Love showed up in the first half, hit something like four or five out of his first six or seven shots, and it was impressive. And they kept holding on, holding on, holding on, and it kind of felt like Warriors were killing it. But it kept being a six-point game, three-point game, five-point game, and then you end the half under five-point lead. So what happened? What happens in the third and fourth quarter that the Cavs just could not keep up with them again for their second game in a row? Well, when the Warriors start struggling, it's because they're doing a lot of one-on-one. And Kevin Durant and Steph Curry or Clay go out there and try to get their bucket. And maybe they get it once or twice, then all of a sudden, two or three times after that, they realize, wow, we're not really playing good team ball. And they go right back to their bread and their butter. And they move the ball, and they move off the ball, and they don't stop, and they come at you until they get an open layup, open dunk, open jump shot. That's how they do it. The Cavs, on the other hand, I've noticed this little trend. Basically, once they reach that point in the second half where they say, oh man, we're down eight. If we blink, it's going to be 14. And they start settling. And they start settling not just for bad jump shots, but bad one-on-one jump shots. So you go on Instagram, and I saw it before. You scroll down. I forget who posted it. It doesn't even matter. And the caption reads, Kyrie's handles are flames. And it's his one-on-one, through the legs, around the back, step back, through the legs. Boom. Tough jump shot. Hits the three. Fantastic play. You can't do that every time down the court. And they hit this point of no return where they see the Warriors up 8 or up 10 and they get scared and say, we make two mistakes and we're down 14. We're down 16. And they panic and they rely too much on one-on-one and they forget what gets them there. I don't know what you believe when you watch the Cavs, but I believe they're at their best when they got guys moving without the ball, LeBron getting to the rim and distributing and scoring, obviously, but moving the ball, most importantly. Some of the best plays I've ever seen for the Cavs are LeBron doesn't even get an assist. He'll drive to the hoop. He'll kick it back to the top of the key to whoever. Darren Williams, I don't even care. Swing, Kyle Glover. Swing, Kevin Love wide open in the corner. Those are the plays that they get away from once they reach that point of no return. And that's the true problem. Once the Warriors hit the wall and say, whoa, let's reel it in, they go back to ball movement. They go back to their bread and butter. Cavs, in these first two games, now remember, I'm talking about the first two games here 
I'm not projecting yet. I'll get there in a minute. The first two games, when they hit the, the wall and say, oh, crap, what's about to happen to us? They go to one-on-one. They go to iso ball. They go to we got guys who are better than them or at least as good as them. They have to make plays. That's not how it works in the NBA playoffs. And anybody who should know that should be LeBron James. Because who are some of these guys that you can think back to? Let's look back to the finals with the Heat. Look back to the finals last year. There's always those guys who make key contributions on random occasions. Maybe J.R. Smith doesn't have four good games in the finals, but he has two that his impact is felt and impacts the outcome of the game. Game one and game two, J.R. Smith, three points. Damn. That's not where he needs to be. Tristan Thompson, only eight points again. Hey, typically you see Tristan Thompson with eight points and you go, all right, he's not a scorer. That's fine. How many rebounds you get? Oh, no. Four rebounds. Now, when people talk about most valuable or the X factor or whatever term you want to use it, it can get a little bit tricky. But before game one, I had a friend come up to me. We were sitting down. We were eating a little wings, hanging out, watching the game. And right before the game started, he asked me, who are the most important players on both teams? So because obviously, you know, I could be like LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Boom. Most important players, right? That's not the route we were going in. Because, you know, people who understand the, the, the grand scheme of things understand that you don't need to say how important LeBron is every single time. Honestly, that's the why he doesn't have more MVPs. It happens naturally. Human beings who uh, could think quicker or whatever it, whatever it works, <laughs> you don't have to mention LeBron and Kevin Durant every time someone says, hey, who do you think is the most important player in this series? So the route I went was Tristan Thompson and Clay Thompson. So the two Thompsons were the most important to me before game one. And the reason why I said that is going to Clay Thompson first. He's been struggling this series. One of the main reasons that people do forget is that Harrison Barnes couldn't hit a shot last NBA Finals. was a liability. I mean, he was like Iman Schrumper out there. He couldn't hit an open jumper to save, to save the Warriors' season. He couldn't hit a couple shots to help them win the Finals. I truly believe that. Draymond Green gets a lot of blame, as he probably deserves, for you know getting suspended. Harrison Barnes was quite bad. And what did that do for the Cavs? It allowed them to leave him open. Hey, this guy can't hit a shot. We're not even going to think about him. Let him keep missing. Let him hit 5 of 38 or whatever he was. Clay, who obviously is a lot better at shooting than Harrison Barnes, has been in that kind of funk. So I said to my friend, Clay Thompson, because he's been so cold, if he stays cold, the Cavs have a real opportunity to slow down KD and Steph. If Clay even gets remotely hot, if he regresses to the mean, to if he goes back to his absolute normal standard, that opens up so much more space for Draymond, for KD, for Steph, and then everybody else in between. And that's what happened in Game 2, because he's still struggling in Game 1. Game 2, here he goes, hits a shot, gets to the hoop, hits an end one. Another shot, another shot. All right, Clay is back. He's here. But the best part about Clay 
is his defense. It comes back to this again with the Warriors. Their defense doesn't get enough credit. Klay Thompson struggled in game one, and what did he do? He was in Kyrie Irving's pocket all day. Because, you know what, I'll give this to a lot of the Cav guys out there. They say, Kyrie, Steph, one-on-one, in the playoffs, in the finals atmosphere, we think Kyrie can match up great defending Steph. That's all fine and dandy, and maybe that's a good point. But Steph is not the one on the other side guarding Kyrie, play in and Clay, and Clay, yeah, Freudian slip, play in and play out. That's Clay Thompson. That man is running around guarding one of the premier point guard scorers in the league, Kyrie Irving. One of the guys who people say has the best handles in the league. And Clay, whether he's hitting his shots or not, is in this man's pocket all night, making it challenging for him to even get a clean shot off. So that's why I thought Clay was so important. And then <laughs> tonight, the way I felt watching Steph out there dropping a triple double, KD doing his thing. I said to a buddy, thank God Clay's not hot right now, because if he is, this game's over. And as soon as he hit a couple shots, well, damn, the game was over. But let's flip over to the Cavs side. Tristan Thompson, why is he so important to the Cavs? Well, first let me preface this with what I think Tristan Thompson means to the NBA. On a team like the Cavaliers, with a max contract on LeBron, max contract on Kyrie, max on K-Love, what are, what's important after that? Defense and rebounding and shooters. That's what the Cavs are made of. They're made of three stars, defense and rebounding guy, and shooters. The only guy known for D and rebounding on the entire team is Tristan Thompson. Obviously, you can say LeBron is that, obviously, but he's a different category. We all understand that. He doesn't need to get brought up all the time. Then we got Kevin Love, good rebounder. Kind of a garbage time rebounder at, at times. He's a great rebounder. He's been better than uh, Thompson at, at points this series of rebounding. But he, Tristan Thompson deserve, not deserves. He needs to be the man under the rim grabbing boards and playing D. And he has just not been that man. Four rebounds in game two. Only eight points. Couldn't score a point in game one. But you look at these two teams. You look at these two matchups. Who does Tristan Thompson match up against for the first eight minutes of the game? Zaza Pachulia, a guy who only played 13 minutes in the whole game, only took two shots in the second quarter. What is Zaza in there for? Literally to put a body onto Tristan Thompson. And then David West comes in. What is his job out there? Put a body on Tristan Thompson. Even Draymond Green, even Kevin Durant with his length, Iguodala to a lesser extent. When Tristan Thompson's on the court, they have guys keying in on making sure he doesn't affect them with offensive rebounds. If this team's going to turn around in game three and four, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you better expect Tristan Thompson to be a part of that turnaround. He only played 21 minutes in game two. That is not what you expect from that man. A guy who has averaged double-doubles in the NBA playoffs before. And has averaged one up to this point. If the Cavs expect to turn this around, you can't expect to do it without their best defensive rebounder and their best defender. And man, 8 points is fine. You need to turn it up. You better get 14 because your boy JR, 
your boy Kyle Korver, they don't look too comfortable right now. Darren Williams, he was hitting some shots against the Celtics. He hit some shots against the Raptors. He looked good. This series against this defense that's so explosive and turns steals into threes or twos, whatever they even feel like shooting, they better turn it around. Because LeBron can do 29, 14, and 11. That's good. You can't get mad at that one. 12 of 18 shooting. Kevin Love can put up 27 and 7. 12 of 23 shooting. It don't matter if JR got zero. It don't matter if Kyrie shoots 8 of 23. And Thompson grabs 4 rebounds. So there's a lot to talk about LeBron. There's a lot of talk about KD and Steph and Clay. But sometimes it's not the all-star that matters most. Because, let's be real, LeBron had 29. Kevin Durant had 33. Not saying they cancel each other out, but that's damn close to canceling each other out when the two best basketball players in the world, in the planet, they're going head-to-head. Sometimes it's the people behind them shooting the next shot who can make a difference. LeBron can ask Ray Allen when he hit that one. LeBron can ask Chris Bosh when he actually showed up every once in a while back in those playoffs on Miami. Steph Curry can ask Andre Iguodala, who won the MVP of the finals, his first ring. They're important pieces. They really are, because I know people can get tired of the LeBron versus MJ talk. I get tired of it. I know people can get tired of Kevin Durant left. He ruined the NBA talk. I get tired of it. People get tired of LeBron versus Durant, Curry versus Kyrie, Clay, Draymond. People can get tired of it. I get it. That's why you need to kind of remember these guys because not only are they interesting to add to the storyline, but they exist throughout the history of the NBA. People talk about Michael and Scotty. There was other guys on that team. Tony Kukoc was on the second run of three. You got Steve Kerr, who's back in the series. And actually, now that I say Steve Kerr's name, Shout out to Steve Kerr for being back on the sideline coaching. That's great to see. Uh, let's be real here. Whether you like them or not, whether you're a Warriors guy, Cavs guy, whether you're a Portland Trailblazers guy, I don't care. The guy's healthy again. Clearly went through a lot of pain, distress, uh, uncomfortable situation for him. But he's back on the sideline. That is a good thing, no matter what. But let's get back on point. There's a lot that goes into these series here. There's a lot of things that need to go go right for the Cavs from this point out. But do not forget, please, I know it's a different year. It feels different watching the game. But this happened last year, right? So people come at me and say, oh, NBA product is lacking. It's lacking this. There's no parity. We knew it was these two teams. Well, hey, the greatness that is the Golden State Warriors from top to bottom is going up against the greatness that is the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, who beat them last year. Different team, different. I know. I get it. But don't count them out yet. You've heard this before. If you haven't heard it from me, I'm a big believer in this. It's important. A playoff series doesn't start until a home team loses a game. This was supposed to happen. If everything goes chalk, right? If everything goes how it's supposed to happen, You win your home games. Golden State wins their first two at home. Cleveland wins their next two at home. Then they do 1-1-1 or however they have it set up. And they keep winning the home games, and the team with home court advantage wins the series. That's how it's set up on purpose, right? If the Cleveland Cavaliers can win 
the next two games. It doesn't feel like they can. But hey, if they can, we're back at square one. And do we know it's possible? We do, because it happened before. So I'm here to tell you, I'm sticking with my original prediction, which I said earlier on the show, Warriors and Six. People like to freak out. People like to knee-jerk. People like to jump the gun. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't imagine the Warriors even losing a game. They're going to sweep. It's going to be 4 nothing. We're out. We out. I look at it a little different. I try to look at both sides, and I try to think to myself that I thought that was going to happen last year. I thought the Warriors were going to run away last year. Crazy things can happen. we got to watch the games. And to be quite honest, say what you want about NBA product right now. The ratings are backing it up. People are watching. People are interested. People are talking about the NBA. Hell, if my mom knows that the NBA Finals is going on, that's because people know. People are talking. It's on the regular news. It's not just on Sports Channel. It means something. At least it does to me. I don't know how you feel. But hey, this is the SBNY Podcast. So far, so good. As you can tell, I'm solo tonight. No Alec, no Phil DeMeo, no Joe Calabrese. No one, just me, Pete Kennedy, on the SBNY Podcast. But let me take this time again before we move on to finish up. It'll be a little bit of a shorter episode today. Going to like to finish up in about 10 minutes. But we got some more stuff to talk about. It's going to be good. We got Knicks stuff. Who doesn't love some good Knicks news right in the middle of the NBA Finals? The damn Knicks stay relevant even when... <laughs> there's, there's only three relevant teams. I only heard three stories. Actually, let's say four or five. Four or five teams are relevant right now. Um, and it's... Obviously, the Warriors and the Cavs. And then you got mostly Chris Paul, but I guess that counts the Clippers and the Spurs. Basically, Chris Paul's a free agent. He's going back or he's going to San Antonio, so we say. Then the Knicks, who are possibly in trade rumors. And then maybe the Lakers, Alonzo Ball, Celtics, whatever. Five or six teams are relevant, and the Knicks figure out a way to get some news out there in these NBA playoffs. But we'll get into that. This is the SBNY Podcast. Again, proud to present to you our presenting sponsor for the podcast, and that is Wooter Apparel. It's W-O-O-T-E-R Apparel. Find them on Instagram, at Wooter Apparel, Facebook, Twitter.com, the whole nine. Check out what they can do for you. If you play in a rec league, basketball, baseball, softball, flag football, real football, doesn't matter. They can hook you up with fully customizable jerseys. And I'll speak from experience. This is my third summer in a row wearing Wooter Apparel basketball jerseys. You can customize from top to bottom. And the only way I can prove that to you is to show you. So go to wooderapparel.com, check them out on Instagram, and don't forget the best part. Discount code SBNY will hook you up with a special discount depending on your order. So if you're going to get some nice gear from Wooder Apparel, don't forget to put discount code SBNY. Mention it to them on the phone or online, whatever makes you happy. But definitely check them out. All right. So my closing statements on... The Warriors and Cavs for now. Before we talk about the Knicks and their little trade situation that may be or may not be happening here, we got Game 3 coming up in a couple days. Now we've got to wait a couple days and just accept that. That's how it works now uh, with the TVs and the getting the best ratings and all this crap that is really important for all these networks. But whatever. Got to wait a couple days for Game 3. My guess is that the Cavs take one of two in the next two at in Cleveland. And I have a feeling it's going to be the first one. I think game three... Wait, no. I apologize. Not changing on the spot. I said that wrong. I think it's not going to be the first one. It'll be the latter. Game three, Cleveland's going to come back. Hyped, hyped, hype. 
going to be a good first half. I expect Cleveland to be rocking. The land is going to show up to support LeBron and the boys. I think Tristan Thompson has a much, much better game in Game 3. He starts to feel comfortable. And more importantly, he starts to make Golden State uncomfortable. That's number one, because they did not get pushed very much in this series. Despite seeing LeBron you know, walk to the hoop, the hoop a couple times for easy dunks, easy layups, despite seeing Kevin Love shoot a pretty good percentage for most of the game, when was there a point in Game 1 or 2 where you looked at the Warriors and they said, they looked uncomfortable there. They looked pressured. They looked like they didn't know how to handle a situation. It hasn't happened yet. Now, I expect more of those moments to happen in Game 3, but I don't believe it's going to be enough. I think because the way the Cavs have had to play so physical, they have had to give their all to lose by 20 in Game 1 and 2. They're going to come out firing in Game 3, but don't let it fool you because in the second half, the Warriors will prevail. I think it's Game 4 where the Cavs turn it up and grab that pride win. They will not get swept. They will not get swept. Because, well, let's think about this, too. I don't know where you stand on the whole don't want to hear LeBron MJ talks, want to hear it, don't care, have an opinion. Wherever you fall in this discussion here, and I'm not even putting my point in. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it right now. More important things. But God forbid LeBron James gets swept in the NBA Finals. I could hear it now. I hear the callers on the fan, on ESPN Radio, just saying, and all you guys were saying, LeBron's better than MJ. He got swept in the finals. Come on, man. Look at this team on the Warriors. You don't have to like them. I'm not asking you to like them. Respect their game. They're not just a bunch of good shooters. They're a bunch of good dribblers, a bunch of good passers, a bunch of good defenders, a bunch of good rebounders. Give LeBron some slack, man. If he's playing this well, you should not look at this and say, hey, Jordan would have done this or Jordan would have done that. Because you don't know. It's revisionist history. And <laughs> this is going to happen anyway. I'm wasting my breath, right? If you think I'm wasting my breath here, shout me out on Twitter. That's at Pete underscore Kennedy 81. Because a lot of times when the MJ and LeBron thing happens, whether it's amongst friends, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on an actual show or podcast, I feel like every time the conversation happens, you get to the end. And the end point is, well, they played in different eras. Um, one guy was the best then, one guy's the best now, and we really don't know. So the whole thing we just did was a big fat waste. So I'm going to stop talking about that now. But just know that, it, God forbid he gets swept, you're going to hear a lot about it. So sorry. you got to come to the SBNY podcast for anything else. <laughs> but let's move on to the Knicks. And I say that being pretty serious because the Knicks have some thoughts on a move or two. But we also don't know what the hell is going to happen. So there's many reports. And when I say many reports, there's word coming here. There's word coming there. You don't know how legit everything is. One can hope. So the Knicks optimist can hope that these little rumblings of the Knicks want to pick later in the first round. Or the Knicks are interested in Ricky Rubio. Or the Knicks may move the eighth pick. These are all little rumblings. So the Knicks optimist should hope that that's okay because the Knicks are actually having their plan to themselves, and they're kind of just putting these seeds out here, trying to mess with people, show people that they want this or that, but maybe they, they want something else, and they're going to get it from them. 
I don't know. That's what the Knicks optimist should think. Knicks pessimist should say, well, goddamn, Phil's done most things wrong since he got here. Can't imagine him doing this one right. Why are we trading our eighth pick? We should never do that. Why are we trying to get another first-round pick? Let's get proven players. That's what the Knicks pessimist is going to say. But hey, let's say it falls down the middle, and these things are real possibilities. Let's break it down. So number one that I think is most interesting is Portland Trailblazers with their three first-round picks. If you don't know about the Portland Trailblazers, they're a fun young team. Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, really, really great players, great scorers. In the playoffs two years, uh, made it to the semi-final, semi-conference finals last year. Um, two of the best guards in the game. But they have these other players who get paid a whole lot of money who probably don't deserve it unless they're on a championship caliber team, which they're not. Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, go on and go on. Ed Davis. There's names on that team that you go, okay, he's an all right player. He's okay. He's not bad. He's definitely not that good either. And that's the type of players that Portland surrounds two really good players with, Dame Lillard and TJ McCollum. And now, it comes to this year, they have three first-round picks. One of these first-round picks is in just outside of the lottery. It's either 15 or 16. I'll check on that. And the other two are in the 20s. And the Knicks are interested in getting another pick in the draft. Well, I'll be damned. We got a partner. The Portland Trailblazers are looking to get rid of of one of their three first-round picks. The catch is they're trying to get rid of one of those big contracts as well. But a team like the Knicks, which where, where they sit, they can actually handle something like that. And the one that I have been seeing is Mo Harkless. Shout, shout out St. John's New York native Mo Harkless. So think about this. I'm going to lay out a little proposal for you here with the Knicks trade. So the New York Knicks receive the number 15, 20, or 26 pick from the Portland Trailblazers, as well as Mo Harkless. And in return, they throw in a second-round pick, as well as... This is where it gets tricky, because you say Courtney Lee, and you go, Courtney Lee... He's kind of making some money, and he's kind of a little better than Mo Harkless, a little older, but they're kind of similar. So maybe not Courtney Lee. And then you go, all right, so how about, well, Ron Baker is probably not good enough for that trade, doesn't do anything there. Jason Randall, same thing, not good enough. Not getting rid of Willie Hernan Gomez. Kuzminskis, they probably don't want him either, even though he may be cheap. Where the hell are we going to get this? How are they going to give this to us? And you think to yourself, well, what are they just going to give us? a pick with Mo Harkless for a second-round pick? We're not giving that up for number eight. How is this going to work? So you got to hope that the Knicks have something up their sleeve or the Portland Trailblazers get desperate enough to say, we need to shed the money. Let's make this happen. And they do it for a second-round pick. Or they do it for... Actually, no. Do not do it for a first-round pick. That would be real bad. But it, it gets to start to get really tricky. And I think the same thing falls under the Ricky Rubio situation. People say, all right, the Knicks are still interested in trading for Ricky Rubio. Why? Because he's available and he's a solid point guard. And the Knicks obviously need their point guard. But then you start to think of the logistics again. Why 
do the Timberwolves want to mate, for lack of better terms, with the Knicks to get rid of Ricky Rubio? What do the Knicks have to offer? And that's where I keep hitting this wall every time I think about the Knicks making moves around draft time. Ricky Rubio for who? Like I said before, Ron Baker. What is that? Well, I love Ron Baker. I want to... I want to have him on the podcast. I want to hang out with him. He's great. He's fantastic. The crowd loves him. He's not Ricky Rubio. The Timberwolves aren't going to take Ron Baker for Ricky Rubio. They're not going to take Chase Randall. We're not getting rid of Hernan Gomez. Oh, Quinn is a guy who we say, all right, maybe we got to get rid of him. But then what? We have one center on the, on the team because obviously Joe Kim Noah can't really stay on the court. So we want Kylo Quinn and Willie Hernan Gomez. Those are our fives. Where do we go? Kuzminskis? No. It gets tough, and that's why hitting on the eighth pick becomes and is the number one priority. So you've been hearing that maybe Phil is at more uh, pro days. He's at the combine. They're doing their due diligence. They know they got to hit on this pick, and that's why no matter what happens with the 15, 20, 26 from Portland and Mo Harkless or Ricky Rubio and all these crap that you keep hearing about, we need to hit on number eight. And that's where the priority is. And if the number eight pick gets moved, there better be a whole lot coming back in return. Because the one thing that I've continuously defended Phil Jackson on, and you just heard me say defended Phil Jackson on, there's not a lot of things. This is one. All of the first round picks are still the New York Knicks. That is important. That is something that we could not have said for the past five years. And now I don't know if you remember this. I said it on a recent episode. The Knicks haven't re-signed their own pick since the early 1990s. So remember some of these Knicks rookies, huh? Landry Fields, gone. Jordan Hill, gone. Tim Hardaway, gone. And the list goes on and on of all these guys coming in. Maybe they have a good year. Iman Schumper, gone. Maybe they have a bad year, and then they have an okay one, gone. Doesn't matter. The first one could be Porzingis, and we hope Willie Hernan Gomez because we like him. But this one here, number eight, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nidakinlia, maybe Jason Tatum falls, maybe Jonathan Isaac ends up on the Knicks. There's other guys, but this pick's got a hit, and it's going to be hard. But the draft is coming up, so stay tuned with that. And we're going to get deep into the NBA draft soon on, a, on another podcast. But, you know, this is the NBA Finals going on. We got Game 3 coming up later in the week. And uh, we always got to keep up with the Knicks. Now, I didn't talk much baseball, but we'll get more into that later on in the week. Uh, I'll give you a quick recap of what I've noticed. So, um, Mets stink. Yankees are solid. Aaron Judge is more than we ever thought he would be cracked up to be. His BP home runs are ridiculous. Hitting the hotel out in Toronto. He bro- broke a TV in Yankee Stadium. BP in-game. Aaron Judge, stud. Top to bottom. Defense even. Getting walks on base percentage is good. Aaron Judge looks like the real deal. Same to Michael Conforto. Too bad his team can't win. Mets stink. Yankees are doing fine. We're going to get more into baseball later on. Uh, in, in the month, in the week, it depends how these NBA finals turn up. But hopefully you enjoy game two because my number one thing is, and I said this early in the show, and this is what I'm going to end off with, I get it. Kevin Durant going to Golden State is not everybody's favorite move. In fact, 
most people, not most people, a lot of people, I'll say, hated the move. They think he single-handedly ruined the NBA. I can never go that far. I can't. There's too many other players that I appreciate and know and watch to think that. So, But I understand your anger. I understand where your passion is coming from. I understand where your hate for these playoffs or this Golden State Warriors team lies. But what I want to try to tell you is to appreciate this team. Because take Kevin Durant off this team, this team's still here. That's not a testament to say Kevin Durant isn't that good. That's a testament to say the rest of this team is still very, very good. Perhaps still the best team in the league, as we saw last year when they were up in the finals before everything hit the wall and the Cavs came back. So just remember that. Remember the Cavs are still here. They were here before. LeBron's still there. He needs his buddies to show up. Tristan Thompson, Kyle Korver, Darren Williams, J.R. Smith. Show up. Help your boy out. Kyrie, 8 for 23, ain't going to cut it. Not against these boys. Not against these ball movers, shooters, and defenders that are the Golden State Warriors. But all you have to remember now is that I said Warriors in 6. Defense is key. Golden State are playing the Golden State Warriors are playing legendary basketball right now, whether you like it or not. So enjoy it while the ride lasts. Because super teams don't last forever. And if you told me that in two years, Clay Thompson's on a new squad, Kevin Durant is getting hurt here and there, and that team's just, just a good team, and they're not fantastic, I wouldn't be that shocked. But what would not shock me even less would be Golden State is still really good and competing year in and year out, whether they have the talent or not, because their culture is top-notch, their style of game is top-notch, and they play basketball better and the right way, better than anybody else at this point in time. So Warriors in six, that's my pick. I'm sticking with it. Said it before, I'll say it again. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to check out our presenting sponsor, Shout out to them, Wooter Apparel. That's at Wooter Apparel on Instagram, Twitter, as well as .com. Fully customized jerseys, backpacks, the whole nine, everything you could possibly need for your league, team, or organization. My name is Peter Kennedy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Went solo on the pod today. Definitely enjoy doing it. If you like the episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. As we always like to remind you guys, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Play. But my last thought is, Complain all you want about the NBA and the NBA Finals. There will be a time in your life where we look back and say, wow, remember that time the Cavs and Warriors went back to back to back and that never happened again. That's a true possibility. You got to take it one step at a time, one game at a time, one series at a time. So do what everybody else is doing because as much as you say you're hating this right now, there's a whole lot to love. The best player in the universe against the best team in the universe. Warriors in six is my pick. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of the series. We'll hear from you, and I'll he- you'll hear from me after the next couple games. Have a good one.